Stephanie Piddock, your host, and this is Direct Democracy Radio. Today, I'm excited to uh, have our guest, Patrick Paquette. He is going to discuss his book about the money system, and we're going to be enlightened as to what the future can be, and I'm looking forward to talking to him about it. A little bit about me for those who are not familiar with our show. I know we're on at all different times, so it's kind of hard to catch, but... uh, Um, I am a former congressional candidate this past cycle. uh, I was a green candidate running, supporting Bernie Sanders. Uh, 
I was going to run for governor in 2018, but uh, direct democracy kind of uh, blew up, and I started a union of direct democracy parties uh, internationally called the International Direct Democracy Union. And uh, the union is uh, sponsoring the show. And uh, I'm excited to talk to you about that a little bit later on after we talk about the uh, book. And I also have a co-host. His name is Nick Greco. And I'm going to bring him in now. Nick, I have to open up your mic. I'm sorry, Nick. Go ahead. Can you hear me? Yes. How's it going? Great. Yeah, everything's... uh... Going well, I guess, on on our end. Um, I just wanted to uh, say that we uh, we also have a group for Canadians called the Direct Democracy for Canadians group, and um, of course we uh, advocate for direct democracy. And uh, we're uh, we have also a chat room with the same name. And if anybody's out there that's listening that uh, doesn't know what direct democracy is, uh, they can uh, go to Facebook. Uh, either go to the union. Uh, Union International, or if you're in Canada, uh, you can come to uh, Direct Democracy for Canadians and uh, find out uh, a bit more about Direct Democracy and what we're trying to accomplish. Nick, your microphone is uh, fading out. Are you on speaker? Uh, actually, hold on. Can you hear me now or no? Um, it's still a little f- far away. Okay, how about now? Much better, much better. Thank you. Okay, I was just trying to do the ear th- earphone thing, but I guess that didn't work, so. No. No, this is much better. You were fading out a bit. But uh, tell, give the people a little bit of background about uh, uh, the direct democracy uh, movement and how much it's grown and uh, where we uh, so, hope to go. So right now uh, in Canada, there's a there's a huge grassroots movement going on out west. Um, they've uh, they've been hit pretty hard with the, the with the uh, recent recession, um, especially with the price of gas dropping. Uh, uh, Fort McMurray and other places in, in Alberta uh, had some some major job losses. So now because of it, there's a lot of people pretty much fed up with mainstream politics and they're trying to find solutions and some of them are coming our way and we're just trying to educate them and and a lot of them agree with it. Some people are still on the fence, uh, which is, which is normal. It's okay. They're just not too sure about it. They want to find out a little bit more, but um, here in Ontario it's not so much. They don't have the same enthusiasm as they do out West, but we're working on it. We do have a, a political party here. Uh, that goes by the name of none of the above, and they're uh, they are advocating for direct democracy. They're actually running on the the three R's. Um, I believe it's referendum, recall, and reform. And we're looking forward to the election that's coming up in 2018, I believe, in Ontario. So, and I believe there's one more party. I think it's the Coalition Party. I believe the guys. talking about that democracy, but 
that's uh, that's pretty much where we're at right now. Just pushing along. We lost you for a little bit there, Nick. We didn't hear you, but uh, oh, that's okay. Geez, sorry. That's okay. Um, I'm gonna bring in uh, Patrick now. Yeah, hi Stephanie. Hi, hi Patrick. Stephanie. Hi. Hey, thanks Why a lot for having you... me on your show. Oh, very welcome. Glad to have you. Look forward to hearing what you uh, have written about, and if you could uh, introduce yourself and give us a give us a brief overview. Oh, all right. Well, uh, as everyone knows, my name is Patrick Burkett, and I am uh, employed as a system and software developer at a company in Ottawa. Um, I am not an economist, uh, but I have ideas about how I think we all can organize ourselves. Um, and in my adventure of trying to figure out different ways of organizing uh, uh, ourselves, I've come up with what I call the registry monetary system, which is basically a different way of playing the money game we all do today. Um, so, yeah, uh, I'd like to spend some time explaining it to, to your members. I don't know how, how you wanted to, to go through this. Should I try to give a brief overview, or should I just should we just why talk you, about money in general? Why don't we give a brief overview of your ideas, and then we can uh, have ask questions, and hopefully people will call in with questions. Okay. Well, I'm going to try to be as brief as I can. So I'm going to start with its derivation. So we all know that there's a bunch of problems in the world. Um, and we have gotten to a point where if you were to ask yourself, what is the root cause of a lot of the problems in the world, you will find yourself most likely ending up to the problem being either directly or indirectly related to money. So when I say money, I mean our existing fiat money, money system, not gold backed, that has its different problems. Um, so uh, that with as well, the uh, fractional reserve banking system. Uh, that means uh, a lot of people might not even know this, but uh, when a bank loans you money, they don't actually have to have all of the money in the bank, ergo fractional reserve banking. 97% of all the money that exists in circulation today exists as a loan from one person to another. Um, if you want to read more about that sort of information, I recommend you look at the documentation and website presented on positivemoney.org. They, they'll explain it all for you. Um, so we see a lot, a, a lot of weird things like planned obsolescence. That's the idea where people are building things to purposely break. Um, we look at things like technological unemployment where people are losing their jobs to robots and automation. And something that um, people in other groups call uh, structural violence, which is the idea that violence created because of the way we organize ourselves and not because of human nature. So, Given all of that, I started to think about, well, okay, how do we fix money so that it doesn't do the things that are bad and make, but retain the things that are good? So I wrote a document that described the design of this system. Um, it's, you can find it on Facebook. It's just search for the registry. Um, it, we've also got a, a group that will allow us to have similar discussions like this. Um, and it has a couple of core requirements. So it, the idea is we, it should still use this idea of money where we are all chasing towards trying to get the most of some number. And the more that you have, you should win a little bit more over someone who doesn't have as much. However, there's a lot of problems that money has such as this idea, which coined by someone called Buckminster Fuller. Um, he's a brilliant man. Um, he runs, uh, he was 
I don't need to talk about him, but um, so ephemeralization. Uh, this is the idea that we want to be able to do more and better with less things. Money does do that now, but when you, the more better you do, you increase automation, and that gets rid of jobs, and we're always trying to fight for jobs. Uh, try to make more jobs, try to make more jobs. This is the political will, right? But this system actually makes it so that you actually don't need a job in order to meet your basic needs. However, there's an incentive to get a job so that you'll get more turns for those things which are scarce. Um, it also has, it prefers collaboration over competition. It tries, and it also provides an implementation for, which is really important for the, your listeners, it provides an implementation for a direct democracy and decentralization. Um, you should be able to say those things which are problems, and by saying so, you're actually backing it with your money. But you don't need to necessarily say what the solution is. You can just say what the problem is, unless you have some sort of intrinsic motivation which drives you towards a particular solution, and you can use your money towards that particular solution. And we're going to go into that and do a little bit more detail after I get through the rest of the design. Please interrupt me if I'm talking too quickly or if I'm talking if you can't hear me or if I'm just rambling on. Um, okay, uh, scarcity. So it's, money should still be the thing that should decide who gets access to those things which are scarce. Um, fiat money system does that now. However, it creates, you can choose not to make more and, or make it look like it's scarce and that'll make it cost more. There's not an incentive to do that in this monetary system. Um, it should create an incentive for abundance. So you should be able to, and we'll see that when we look at some of the rules that it does, it should level out some of the classes in system. And I want to say classes, I mean, yeah, the communist word classes. That's, um, so I wanted to reiterate one thing that I didn't mention before I started talking about this is that this monetary system, the registry monetary system, is not any sort of ism. It's a system. It's a replacement for money, and any sort of ism, like communism, socialism, or capitalism, can all be played within it, or religions, or politics, just like in our existing monetary system. It's, it's, it's no different. Um, it should also be, it, it also ends up becoming a way to reduce the amount of corruption or aberrant behavior or defining what things should be sustainable in our society. So it should motivate people to do things which increase sustainability uh, while only and reduce the amount of aberrant behavior, aberrant behavior that people do that only if you do the most worse aberrant behavior should you not be able to meet your basic needs. So that's what this system does. Uh, should I take a pause there? Does anybody have a question first before I yes. continue? Yes, I do. I do. Um, so how does how do you generate the money? All right. Well, we'll get into the design then. Should I just bust right into okay. it? Sure, sure. All right. So uh, the core principle of the design is we need uh, – so when we do a transaction today, I have money and you don't have money, I give you some of the money, you have the money, and I no longer have the money. That's pretty obvious, right? That's, that's the core primitive that we have in our money system today. This doesn't exist in the registry monetary system. All currency has an owner, and that owner never changes. And there are seven different types of currency. I know it sounds complicated, but this is the whole world, and it's going to be, I'm hoping that 
everyone just kind of gets it at the end once you go through it all. It's a lot to take in one shot. But it all makes sense when you think about why you need to, to design it this way. So any money that you have, it's yours, and it's yours till the end of your life. Um, unless some of it gets destroyed in some of the um, axioms or rules of this game. Uh, because when you think about it, money is just a game that we've all agreed to play, right? It isn't anything... Uh, it, it's it's a complete human contrivance, and we can choose to play a different game. And it starts right here, right now, with me, uh, you, Stephanie, and Nick, and everyone listening. We have to start somewhere. So, um, so the basic primitive operation that we can do with money now is: I have money, I give you money. You have the money, I don't have the money. That doesn't happen. What we have in the registry monetary system is we want to make it so that when a transaction occurs, we print money whenever we want to incentivize something at the moment of the transaction. And then we destroy money whenever we want to deter something. You can think of this like fines and um, um, government incentives, but right on the transaction, defined by the rules of this system. And everybody can play the same game. Okay. So then what, what should be these, when should we print and when should we destroy? Well, that traces to those requirements that we just talked about. Um, so we're going to get into that. So, all right. So how do we do this? Yeah, so we provide an incentive for abundance and collaboration by printing money based on the metrics of commitment of individuals of a society. Okay, so we so there's going to be a, a system. This is what the registry is called. It's a system. Think about it like a computer system or a trusted system. And one of the things you can do with this system is commit. You can commit to say, oh, um, I'm going to host a radio show. <laughs> and of all of the possible, and how many radio show hosts are there out there? Or whatever it is you could do as a job. And you can commit to that. And the registry will capture metrics on this as a system. Um, so we print money whenever there is an abundance of things. I'm going to get into that uh, a little bit later. And then we prevent inflation by using time as a common commodity as opposed to, say, gold or other. Um, the fiat system is just based on the number. Um, to destroy money appropriately, make it more useful for times to determining who gets access to naturally scarce resources. So make money less important for your needs and more important for your wants. So then now, how, how do we actually print the money now? So this is where we have to start designing the currency. So I've already mentioned how there's this registrar. It's a trusted person or group or computer system, probably a computer system, but it doesn't actually need a computer system. We can try this out in your local community if you want to. Um, so it has the responsibility of validating all of the members. So in some way or form, I, I'm not prescribing an implementation, but we need to be able to say, yeah, that's Bob. Uh, signing checks is an example of what we do today, but we can do better. Um, I've talked about how all currency has an owner and it never changes. Uh, and so the primitive operation of giving somebody money doesn't exist. So if we recall back on our first requirement, we wanted to be able to say, we all want to strive to get the most money. So what type of currency is that called? It's called exchange. Exchange is the kind of money we're all striving to get the most of. And it rep represents your purchasing power. And I haven't gotten to where this comes from yet, but in terms of, and we're going to get there. Um, so 
The other kind of money that we have is called value. Whenever a transaction occurs, so assume this money exists in the system and I'm somebody with exchange and somebody else has value. If I want to buy something, for, so Stephanie, you've got five value and I've got five exchange. If I want to buy something from you and you want to charge $5, you have to have five value dollars to back up that price. Okay. We, would, we would both present our money to the registry, my five exchange and your five value. And the registry would look at that currency and say, yep, there's five value presented by Stephanie, five exchange presented by Patrick, five and five equal equal, and the registry has the responsibility of converting that money. That's a thing that the registry can do. And one value always backs up one exchange. So that's one primitive operation. So your value turns into exchange. My exchange turns into value, and it's, that transaction's over. So that's kind of like me giving you my exchange and you giving me your value. It would be the same if we could change the owners, but that's right. not a primitive operation in the system. Okay. Does that make sense? Yes. Should I go over that one more time? Yes. Okay. So value backs up exchange and all transactions occur through a registrar. So registrar has to reconcile the transaction. Okay. So I'm a buyer, you're a seller. You have value, I have exchange. In order for that transaction to occur, we present our currency to the registrar, and it makes sure that the value backs up the exchange. If it does, the money gets converted. My exchange to value, your your value to exchange. Would this be a computer process? It could be done with a computer very easily, yes. But we can think of it like real currency, right? You can do this with real currency today. Right, so it, people try to understand money a little bit more than ones and zeros, but yes, this could totally be a cryptocurrency, for example. Um, okay, so where does the first money come from? Well, there's this third kind of money, and this is where money gets backed up by time. So I'm introducing another kind of money called charge. Charge. So the registry has the responsibility of distributing charge to every member in its every of its members and so you can you can join and leave if you want but every member gets the same amount of charge as everybody else over the same amount of time and the amount of this charge never changes this allows us to back up time to some number for example if everybody gets 25 charge a day we could say okay one currency is the same as an hour of someone's time okay so right. uh, in charge, charge behaves exactly like value. You can use it to back up the price of something you want to sell. Okay? So do you remember how you had to show value in order to sell your thing? And then I yes. presented my exchange. Your yeah. value turned into exchange. My exchange turned into value. So similarly, you could be getting, say, 24 charge a day, and I have some exchange, and you want to charge 5 bucks. You would take 5 of your charge, present that to the registry, I would present five of my exchange. Your charge would turn into exchange. My exchange would turn into value, and the transaction's over. And then, again, your exchange that you just got from that sale, you can now use to buy something else, and it would turn into value, not charge. Right? So that charge is essentially gone. It has become something that's going to turn into exchange and exchange in value, exchange in value, and exchange in value. It's going to do that in perpetuity until the end of that 
of until you die, <laughs> essentially. Um, but that's how the first, that's how the money gets into the system. So it doesn't come in through loans, which is how a lot of money gets into the system today. Right. And it allows us to back up time to say, okay, we now know what one means. It's not there's no inflation because we know it has no has nothing to do with the amount of money in the system. We know it doesn't take three days to make a pizza. So if you're offering 72 charge for a, a piece of pizza, well, hold on a second. It didn't take you three days to make that pizza. Um, right. Yeah. And you can also think of value as cost of goods because you might have to say buy some cheese or, or pepperoni to put on your pizza before you make it. So you could add value to any transaction that you use to, to recoup your cost of goods. So does that make sense? I think I need you to explain it again. That's okay, Stephanie. You're not the only one who said that. It's kind of a lot to take. Okay. Um, so remember, in today's fiat system, in order for a transaction to occur, I have money. I give you the money. I no longer have the money. You have the money. In the registry, that never happens. Money converts. You back up your price with value. And the seller produces the same amount of exchange, and then the money converts. Value converts to exchange, so the seller's value turns into exchange, and now they have more money than what they started with. And the the buyer uses their exchange to to present to the registrar, and that gets converted to value, which they can then use later on to back up the price for something else. For example, let's say I wanted to buy some cheese from you, and you have five value and I have five exchange. We both present our money to the registry. My five exchange turns into five value, and you give me the cheese, and then I use that cheese to make some pizza. And say I get 10 charge, and I can use that 10 charge and five value to make my pizza cost 15 exchange, for example. Is that, is that a little... A little better? Actually, you know, no, no, actually, I, I, I kind of get it. I kind of get it. Uh, you're, you're going back to that whole value system thing where you're creating something positive. Uh, and it, I, I could see how it's a little complex, uh, but uh, I think if people put the time into it, it could be something um, worth doing. Uh, but I, yeah. I have a question, um, sure. Patrick. Uh, uh, how about uh, – I actually got a couple of questions. Uh, so are you saying that uh, in a 24-hour day, I, mm-hmm. without doing absolutely nothing, I can mm-hmm. accumulate money? But it's not money like we think of money today because you cannot okay. use that money to purchase anything. It's charge. You can use it to back up the price of some utility you are about to sell. If somebody offers exchange, you can now get that charge converted into exchange. All right. It's not so money. If you I can't have... give it to anybody. Remember, money is owned by you, and it never ever changes your ownership. Your ownership never changes. Its type can change. You can never give it to anybody. Okay. So if uh, let's say in a 24-hour day, I accumulate so much charge. That's right. Okay. So let's say if I make, uh, I'm just using hypotheticals here, right? Some examples. So Perfect. let's say if I uh, I make 2,400 bucks, Canadian, uh, uh, in a 24-hour window. Uh, I everybody cannot... gets the same amount of charge as everybody else, so your yes. neighbor will also get twenty four hundred. Okay, yeah, exactly, exactly, yeah. Okay, that's good that you pointed that out. So now I okay. can't, 
automatically go to the store and buy something with that 2400 No, you cannot. Right? You have to convince somebody to purchase some utility from you. So what do you have to offer, sir? Let's do a hypothetical transaction. Sell me something. Okay. Um, so why don't you sell me your cell phone? <laughs> okay. Um, so let's say you, you, you spent some time. So you bought, let's say you bought a cell phone for 50 exchange, let's say. Okay? Okay. So that 50 exchange turned into 50 value. And you have 50 value right now, right? Okay. And then let's you spend the entire day, 2,400. Uh, uh, so that means 100 charges, the same as an hour. You spend the entire day setting up the operating system for somebody. And then the next day you go and sell it and you say, that's going to cost you 2,400 charge plus 50 value. So somebody would have to present 2,450 exchange to back up your 2,400 charge and 50 value. And if somebody presents that currency, the registrar would convert it. So my 2,450 exchange, your 2,000 charge and 50 value are all presented to the registry. The registry counts all the money, makes sure that they're one-to-one and equal, and says, okay, I'm going to convert Patrick's exchange into value and Nick's charge and value into exchange. So now you have, Nick, 2,450 exchange, and I have 2,450 value. And you can see how cost of goods went into the system with that extra 50, that extra 50 value that you okay. had spent previously. Maybe now, that might clear it up be, a little bit more. Could this be applied to a grocery store? Like, could, would you need... I imagine it everywhere. I imagine people looking at the fiat monetary system and thinking, what? We used to do that? I imagine this everywhere. So, yeah. But, uh, so, which, imagine which, you go to a till and, and – so, yeah. have you ever seen Amazon Go? Uh, you walk into I a store. Done. You walk into a store and it knows yep. exactly what you picked up and it automatically just deducts everything and just nobody needs to know about. All, so we're going right into the knee here. Nobody needs to know about a lot of this charge and value stuff. People are just going to say, "I'm a seller. How much charge and value do I have? That's what I'm going to set my price to." Because I know now. Okay. I know exactly how much charge and value I have, and I know tomorrow I'm getting 2,400 charge again. Right. So I'm going to charge. What should I charge? Today we do, oh, what are people charging for this? Oh, book, book, book. So, no, 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 we don't do that. People aren't going to spend three days on a pizza. And you don't, unless there are moments of scarcity, which we're going to get into. Um, yeah, so I see this everywhere, Nick. Sorry, I interrupted okay. you. You probably had more to ask. No, it's okay. Well, I'm just thinking uh, that someone has to offer something in return. And I'm just thinking, because you did mention that uh, you know sooner or later jobs are going to be obsolete, right? There, there might be only a few jobs left. So yep. in that type of system, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to ask questions here. I'm not trying to shoot it down or anything. But if a person doesn't have a job or anything to offer in value, how wouldn't that leave them out in the rain, so to speak? It's, uh, so that's, that gets a little bit more technical because we have to get a little bit farther down into the design to see how it actually provides something like a basic income through the axioms of the system because you can't prevent people from doing it. And that has to do with the next step of why, how charge is actually different from value. 
Do you remember earlier how I mentioned how you could commit to the registry something? Yep. Like, and that something is categorized by the members. And anyone can create a category and agree to have other compete in their category. For example, cell phones. Now, would Apple compete with Android? I don't know. It all depends if they could win a little bit more if they shared the same category of phone. You could have a different category for Android and a different category for Apple, or perhaps a category for iPhone 6 versus iPhone 5, et cetera, et cetera. So there are categories. Food, similarly. Maybe you could say sugary foods versus uh, staple food versus whatever. So any member can commit to saying, I can produce X number of these things so that if anybody were to show up and say, and and, and it's going to capture metrics that anybody can ask the system, Oh, what are all the categories and who sells what? Which is, think like uh, think Amazon, right? Like, you just go online and just category by category by category, what do you want and who's selling it? The list is there. It's right on your phone or wherever. Okay? Okay. So then you can go so, see. So, go ahead. Post your question. No, so I was going to say, okay, well, with that said, uh, maybe you might want to get into the design then, the design aspect of it. Right. Okay. So, we're counting okay. how many things by category. That's what the registry is doing. And anything you sell is associated to that category. So let's use phones. Let's say there are five phones for sale on the registry in a very simple example. This is where it gets a little tricky. A lot of people have trouble with this one. Do you recall how each exchange was backed up by charge or value, right? Charge is different. Thing being sold such that one exchange backs up that number of things that are for sale across all members. And that's where we put the money. So if there are five phones for sale, one exchange presented by a purchaser, the seller can present five charge to back up that exchange. And then all money gets converted. So that five charge is converted into exchange. And that exchange offered by the purchaser is converted to that one value. So you could see how as there's now an incentive for abundance. If I commit to producing more, I can actually get more money until I wipe out all my charge. So in today's fiat money system, I set a price to something, uh, okay? And people might notice it and look at, oh, that's, that's kind of too expensive. You know, I'm not going to spend five exchange for that thing. But let's say I only committed to one. Um, I'm gonna so on the registry monetary system uh, Facebook page, I've posted a couple of videos that go through all of these axioms. Um, and this, I talk about what I'm describing here in episode four in transactions. Talk about Bob Baker. So he's offering a pie for sale, and he's offering uh, he has say 24 charge to back up the price of that pie. And everyone who tries to buy it, they're like, yeah, I have to provide 24 exchange to purchase it. Ah, that's too expensive for me. So they won't do it. So what can, what can Bob do? He can lower his price and get less money now. So like he would only get 12 exchange or he could just give up and stop making pies. That's, or maybe make it cheaper or something in the existing fiat monetary system. Those are basically his, that's all that you have in, in the fiat world. But in the registry monetary system, you can choose to commit to more. So let's say he's, he doesn't sell that pie, puts it in the freezer or something, and the next day he makes another pie, so now he has two pies for sale. That same 24 charge he would have used to back up the price for that one pie, 
purchasers would only need to present 12 exchange to back up that 24 charge. Maybe 12 exchange is still too expensive. So the next day goes by. There are now three pies for sale. Now members only need to present six exchange to back up that 24 charge. And remember, every day that goes by, Bob the Baker is getting 24 more charge a day, right? So he could have yeah. still upped his price if he wanted to, but he's trying to get his price down to a point where people are willing to spend to, to make the price low enough that people will be willing to buy it, and he can get all 24 of his charge converted to exchange. So once the but price gets low enough, let's do that fourth one. Go ahead. No, what I was saying, though, is, is so, uh, so the key is that the more you have to offer, the cheaper they are, because that's kind of how it is now. Uh, the more yep, you have in the, uh, in the system, the cheaper it is. More, the more products you're producing or manufacturing, the cheaper they are because you're, because you're selling a lot more yes. of them, right? It's, it's, it's work, it works yeah. in volumes. Is, is this how it works it, too? It, it, but it only works in volumes if you're willing to take the risk as a high-volume producer. Try to get into a market where you're trying to compete with someone like Walmart or these other high-volume producers. It's impossible, right? You've got to take a lot of risk and get a lot of investors in on it. In this system, this is where the collaboration comes in. You can choose to commit so long as if you – with a, a competitor's category and the metrics of the thing so that you're providing is additive. So if there's a competitor who's also producing some pie, well, now there's more pie in the system, and it's cheaper for everybody selling pies. So then now as a competitor, I have to ask myself – is this guy offering a pie that's so significantly better than mine that I don't want him to join my category? If so, you better make your own category, mister, because you're not competing with me. Your, your raspberry pie is freaking awesome compared to my blueberry pie. Everybody wants raspberry. But if they're about the same, great, come on, let's compete. And the commitment of the supply of the things just gets additive, and it's cheaper for all, all utilities. So that's where the collaboration comes in. So now if you have something to provide that's equal in utility for something else, you can collaborate with them and say, okay, well, we're both making phones here, and they're about the same. I'm going to take this market over here because you're not ready to go over there yet, but I'm here. And let's maybe based on locality or based on other things where they can't quite get into that market yet, but hey, come on in. We know we can't get to that market yet, but we'll add in our supply so that we can cover the market, which is the incentive for abundance. So now if you ask yourself, what can humanity make enough of for everybody if money wasn't a problem? Let's say we were all committed to do what we wanted to and money didn't get in the way. What can we make enough of? If you ask yourself this, you'll probably think to yourself, holy crap, we could probably make a lot of stuff. But we don't because of our fiat monetary system. I want to use the example of... um, the milk carton. So I go to a store and I want to buy milk. And I can choose to spend $3 on this carton of milk, which has got the awesome spout on it, that I'm not going to make a mess if I open it. Or I could spend $2 on this other carton of milk that I have to use a stupid cardboard thing to open that friggin' little annoying thing. But hey, it's a dollar cheaper. What a waste of humanity's time to be deciding on that silly little thing over a dollar. But people decide it every day. And it's a huge waste of humanity's time. We should always be making the best that we can do with the supply of resources that we have. And I haven't gotten into scarcity yet, but we'll get there if we have time. So does anybody have a question about that? 
yeah, I'm just well, I'm just going back to the uh, and maybe you answered this already, but um, I just find it. I, I this sounds like a great idea because it sounds very positive. Um, but my only concern is is that again, if if let's say if uh, you know automation uh, takes over maybe ninety percent of the of the workforce. Uh, so mm-hmm. I mean, really, there's nobody offering anything of that. Well, there there are things that are of value, but if you have a population of over seven billion people, you know, there's only nope. you know so many paintings you can do, or so many art art things that you could do, or 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 if you know what I mean, uh, because nope. all the all the manufacturing uh, is computerized now. It's all automated. So exactly. The, so, so you're a smart guy, Nick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, if you don't mind if I interrupt, uh, so yeah, no, go ahead, I, I go ahead. think you're right. And um, I think that every time that we can automate something, society should win a little bit more. If we can make a job obsolete, we should do that. And the person who loses their job shouldn't lose so much than they would have. Like, they should be like, yes, finally we have a machine that can do my job. I'm going to take a freaking break. And I'm going to play what I call... Um, I, I would love a better idea to this, but the nothing exchange, the null exchange or the gambling or nothing to do. And there's a whole section of that in the book about this because there is nothing preventing people in the system because it's just a system. And these categories are arbitrary defined by humans and a computer system is not going to validate it. People can commit to nothing and they can exchange their money with each other. And we will count how much nothings there are. And that defines the natural basic income in this system. However, if you, so basically imagine like, so you commit to nothing and I commit to nothing and Stephanie commits to nothing and all of your listeners commit to nothing. So how many people are committing to nothing? Count the number of people. That's how much nothings there are. And you use that as your metrics to print, to, to convert to so that you can offer more charge per exchange. So then, one, one transaction occurs. So let's say there's 24 viewers. I offer one exchange to purchase your 24 charge or to convert, sorry, your 24 nothing worth of charge. I only spent one exchange, right? Your 24 charge turns into exchange. You just made 24 bucks. Great. I, uh, I lost the value. Or I lost an exchange. have one value. And now you do the same to me. But there's 23 left now. So one of your value only converts 23 of, or one of your exchange only converts 23 of my charge. So I was second, you see, and that propagates all the way down to the last member where there's only two left. One person has to spend like 12 exchange to convert 24 charge. And the other guy, and the last guy doesn't get much. Um, so, and it's all defined in, in that nothing exchange and the software would make this dead easy and it basically equates to what people do today for, like, gambling or sports. Um, so whoever – and then you can do it in different ways. So you can say that – we can say, like, whoever was the best performer gets that first amount, or you can evenly distribute the currency as, as you see fit by using – because once you have value in exchange, they convert one-to-one. So if you think you feel like you want to just get the baseline, you don't want to risk having nothing, then you can you could just go to the even – nothing exchange but if you feel like competing you can because you know tomorrow you're going to work and you're fine i'm just going to compete to see if i can win on the i i went first nothing exchange and 
and this is a lot to take. You really have to understand how the how the the metrics of commitments of exchange of, of one exchange backing up more than one charge. You have to actually go through the the, the chart to see how this works. But it basically amounts to you can do better if you offer a utility of value to someone because you do not have to offer to buy somebody else's charge in the exchange. And this is what people would do with their, their leftover time. Now, who, who would uh, facilitate this? Would this be like a kind of like a central bank of a country? I envision it like a completely distributed system that can't be turned off. So, yeah. Anyone can start their own registry and just hit run. And it's a distributed system like Bitcoin. Um, and you can choose to join a registry or not, and it counts its own members, but publishes all the members to all the others. So you can't stop it, is what I'm saying. And it doesn't need a government to do it, which is awesome, which goes hand-in-hand hand to when we get into the next kinds of currency, which implements our direct democracy. If, uh, if we ever were to take a break, <laughs> now would be a good time to do it, because... That's when we're going to get into how direct democracy is implemented in the system. Um, however, I haven't talked about what happens when you run out of charge and value. So let's say okay, go, you go ahead with that. all of your – should I go with that? Yeah, go ahead with that, yeah. Okay, so let's say you ran out of a bunch of charge and value and there's still people. So now, now we're in a moment of competition. Uh, so – or there were, a, so there were a bunch of competitors, and because of the amount of stuff for sale, we've, it's quite easy to exhaust all of your charge. So, so what happens next? And that's the next two kinds of currency. And there's a video dedicated to this specific thing. Um, so this, and so I'm just going to explain the, the, the rule first, and we'll see how it, it translates into moments of scarcity. Okay. So I'm a seller, and I have no value or, or charge left, but somebody wants to offer more exchange to me so that I offer the utility to them over somebody else, right? So okay. think of it like an auction. Yeah. So one guy's going to say, okay, I'm going to give you one more exchange than the, other, than, than the other guy who is currently offering me nothing. Okay? Yeah. What the registry will let you do is purchase this fourth kind of currency, called transient or transients. I, I would love to come up with a better name, but that's what I got so far. Um, okay. One exchange allows you to purchase one transient and you can buy these from the registry. When you use your exchange, that it turns into value just like every other time you've used it. Okay. So now you, yep. you get this. Sorry, did I say that right? So when you use this exchange, it turns into value after you use it. Yeah, yeah, okay. And then you get this transient currency, but here's the kicker. You can give this transient currency to anybody. It has no owner until you assign it. And you can give it to the person you're trying to convince to give you this thing, the thing you're trying to buy. Okay? Right. Or you can buy it for yourself if you like, and you can just start accumulating a bunch of transients because that's what you feel like doing because you've got nothing else better to spend your money on right now, let's say. And you're waiting for your to accumulate a bunch of them so when it's finally your turn to compete over someone, you're ready to go, and you'll see how that happens. Okay. Okay. So transients. So what, what do transients do? So you can't use transients for anything other than buying the next kind of currency called transient exchange. And one transient exchange costs one more 
transient dollar than the amount of transient exchange you currently own. What? <laughs> okay, so you can only use transients to buy transient exchange. Okay? And the next one that you buy, you can only buy them one at a time, but the software will make you do it really fast. Um, it's it's going to cost you one more than the last one that you bought. So this means it's going to get progressively more and more expensive for you to accumulate a high amount of this transient exchange. Okay, that's a thing. Uh, so can you do a transient exchange? You can use transient exchange at any moment that you can use regular exchange in the registry. However, instead of it getting converted to value, it's destroyed by the registry. And that's it. So given those axioms or those rules of this system, that as, as a competing member, basically you would just start spending as much of your exchange as you can to give as much transience as you can to the guy who's offering the thing to sell. But the more and more and more transit, and in each competitor who's trying to, to auction, to win this auction, they're all doing the same thing. And this guy's just, the, guy, the seller is going to accumulate this high amount of transient currency until such time, all, everybody else is just like, okay, that's it. That's too much. And some guy, some guy finally wins. And then the guy who's selling the thing would use their transients to purchase transient exchange, but because math, it's going to become quadratically more expensive to accumulate a high amount of wealth. Uh, so, yeah, that's a complicated thing to say, but okay, whatever. So, it, sorry, it, but if, it, yeah. if you accumulate a lot of this transient, uh, maybe I missed it, but what, what exactly happens? Do you get charged? So you, can only use, you can only use transient to buy transient exchange. Okay. And you can use transient exchange just like regular exchange during any transaction with the registry, but it does not convert to value. It's destroyed. So the first transient exchange you buy will cost you one transient. The second transient exchange you buy will cost you two transients. The third transient exchange you buy will cost you three transients, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It gets more and more and more expensive now, why, to get that next but why, one. But why is that? Why is it every time that you buy a second one, it costs more than the first, and then so forth for the third? That goes to the to the elevator pitch of the registry, which was destroy money during moments of scarcity. It could be the deciding factor for who gets turned over those things which society deems as scarce. Now, let's go back to what we talked about before. Let's assume for a second that humanity actually plays this game the way I hope it would work, and we produce enough of the things that all of the things which define the basic needs for humanity are so dirt cheap like the price doesn't even matter, right? So you walk in the store, and you know, let's say you go to a dollar store, but it's not a dollar store. It's a point zero 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 one exchange dollar store. Everything here is dirt cheap. So you okay. just pick up what you need, which is meets your basic needs, and you're good to go. And then you find yourself in this moment of scarcity. What is that moment of scarcity? Those things which are naturally scarce, like getting your turn in line. Making the light turn from red to green, for example, that could be a thing. Or getting a spot in a seat. And this would become something natural that people would do instead of saying, being a jerk about it or using violence. Or getting a spot in line. I imagine an app where somebody would say, oh, I'm standing in a line because there's only one person here now today because somebody messed up and didn't get enough people in to service whatever line you're in. 
and I need to get home or, or whatever it is. So I should be able to open up my app and say, hey, does anybody want to give up their turn? And it's going to use geotagging to look around. Everyone else is around who's willing to give up their spot because, hey, they want to turn because they're trying to accumulate enough transient exchange to get the girls. You know what I mean? So then you'd be like, okay, 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 I'm going to get my turn now this time. And you dump this is where you dump all of your transient exchange at that moment. You're literally spending like 10 million bucks just to get in front of the line. That's it. Cause this is when it mattered to me. And the other guy who gave up his spot, he's not getting $10 million because the same thing's happening to him with this quadratic thing, this, this destroying money. Cause he's going to dump all of his charge and value and lose it all. And then he's going to get less transient exchange than the guy who actually gave him the 10 million. That's going to be something like, I don't know, 1 million or something. The, the, the math will, will say what it is based on the, 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 the rules which I have to find. But, uh, yeah, so then so the more people compete and use their transient exchange to compete over each other, it actually destroys more and more of it. So that's good. Um, so, so there's this – and we've actually used our currency at that moment of scarcity that time. So what sorts of things could be – so, so that the, the, the really nice spot. So let's say like whatever is naturally scarce, like a, a, the beachfront property, et cetera, et cetera. I hope that okay. I kind of see where you're going with, with where this money system is going with or is going to. So the things that are valable that are essential, there be an abundance of. So the basically, meet, yes, because we have technical means to meet the we have the technical means to feed and clothe and provide electricity and housing and all right. of the basic so those things are all are, people in, the are world, in abundance. Yeah, so yep. those things are in abundance, so they wouldn't cost as, as much, if not probably free. But if you wanted to buy that, uh, if you wanted to buy that uh, RV, uh, that motor, that motorhome, that would be that wouldn't be necessarily a necess- necessity. So that would cost you uh, quite a bit of uh, well, uh, sorry, exchange or so, or, or value. So, right? so here, here here's the next thing that's going to blow your mind. Okay. This isn't so. Now we're going to talk about this idea of ownership. So we want to be able to own an RV, right? I own this RV because I want to beat the Joneses, right? Mm-hmm. With this system, it actually incentivizes access abundance and not ownership abundance. So let's say there is an RV because I'm going to tell you where the RV gets to when we talk about the direct democracy. But let's say I currently. Mm-hmm what we call own an RV. What does that mean? I get to choose when to use the RV if I want. But I actually yep. don't have the RV because I want to drive it all the time. I'm actually just the RV guy because that's the thing that I can offer. I'm going to manage the utility of making sure people get access to RVs at the RV loan shop or whatever. And then when you want to use an RV, you just walk in and say, how many RVs are there? Oh, there's 10,000? Friggin' great. It's super cheap abundance okay like there's enough rvs for everybody even rvs are something that are naturally that we have the ability to make enough of but we don't have enough to make things like everybody having a plane in their front yard but we do have enough to make enough seats in planes so people can fly from point a to point b and then the activity of managing those planes becomes a utility right that people need to, to provide and they can commit to it. Right? Yep. So 
So then if you've got a lot of money, then sure, you could just go get a plane wherever you need a plane because you need to, so maybe planes will be a little bit more expensive than some other things. Maybe you might actually have to spend, I don't know, 10 exchange instead of one to take the plane. But then we could start talking about, well, are planes the best way to do it? Um, I don't know if anybody uh, who, who listens has read anything to do about um, the Venus Project. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that guy they, uh, project? They, yeah. They've got a lot of. So if we, if money got out of the way, that could be something humanity has the technical means to build. That's the level of abundance I'm talking about. Um, right, and, and, and I and hope I understand. that this this design of the money system becomes a transition to such a society. But that's just me hoping. Let's start somewhere. Right. And I see where you're going with this because, uh, I mean, in life you need the essentials, right? You need the food, you need water, you need clothes, you need heat. Those are those. And are think about all the health health issues that that will solve. How many people Absolutely. are out and just doing the worst that they can just to get on their yeah? So we're on the same page there. Yeah. So no, it pretty much puts things in perspective. So um, because people. Uh, they kind of uh, uh, mix the order up a bit. They kind of tend to put a fancy car ahead of uh, ahead of food, and yeah. they 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 kind of mix that order up. Where in this system and the Venus Project uh, system, it's uh, it's the necessities come first, and then everything else um, you know follows, right? So I guess that's you use your money. That's right. You use your money during that time of. You know what? I really I really but wait, want but, it but, now. But, but, but what they're saying too <laughs> is, is that food. Food and, and water is is an abundance because it's something that we need. So would it cost? You, you're not gonna pen, you're not gonna really penalize anybody because that's something that's that has a, a, a high value. Excuse me, Nick. Yeah, go ahead. Nick. Sorry, Stephanie. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> something's come up and I have to leave the show. Um, I can stay keep it open so I can end it and everything. I just need uh, to leave for a few minutes. Uh, if you could talk okay. about the union, if you get a chance, Nick, that would be great. Yes, I will. And, and direct them to the fundraiser. That would be awesome. No problem. Absolutely. Thank you. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Yep. Okay. So, uh, hi, uh, <laughs> yeah, hi, yeah, it's just me and you now. Okay. So uh, yeah. if you want to uh, – actually, I, I did have a question I wanted to ask you before. But uh, in a capitalist system, with this – Type of monetary system survive, or 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 could they work together? And this is where the next two kinds of currency come in, which is actually the implementation of the direct democracy. Okay. So in a capitalist system, it works by if I acquire enough wealth, I can use that wealth to get society moving, right? So uh, mass production, all that stuff. So I'm going to get this big loan. I'm going to make all the, buy all the machines and then get all the money in to pay off all those machines through loans, right? Yep. So that's uh, uh, that's how the, the the capitalist mentality works, which is it's been working and it's got us this far. Um, so now I'm going to introduce uh, the sixth kind of currency called progress. Progress. You can think of it like transient exchange but it's not quite like it. So what is the first axiom? Everybody gets the same amount of progress as everybody else in the registry with the same amount as it's the same amount of charge. So if there was 24 charge a day, there's 24 progress a day. Okay. 
Yep. However, you can't directly spend this money. It's, it's not like you could just go and buy something with this progress like you could if it were transient exchange. All you can do is choose to allocate it towards either a problem or a project. So what are problems and projects? And this is another thing that the registry lets you do. You can state to the registry a problem, and it can be anything. It's just a bunch of words that other people can read. What, what's a problem? Garbage. Let's say garbage is a thing. I, I don't like having garbage in my house. Okay? That's a problem. I don't care how it gets out of my house, but it's a problem. I don't care how it's solved. Uh, I really don't care. I just It's a problem. Anyone can commit to a project, which must trace to a problem, and they are now the owners of those projects. So I'm going to make a, I don't know, a garbage pickup company in Ottawa. Uh, to go and pick up garbage at people's houses because that's my solution to picking up garbage. Uh, and let's say somebody else makes another project called let's put I don't know, vacuum tubes in everybody's house so that they can stick the garbage in there plus recycling bins and green bins or something like this. Or somebody else has some other solution for incineration or something like this, et cetera, et cetera. All of the possible solutions that could exist that people are willing to do to try to win to get their turn for the more change, people are committing projects to the system, all which trace to an overarching problem. And we can get into the complexities of the graph that's going to show up how multiple, one project traces to multiple problems, but that just, that just makes it dirty. Okay, let's keep it simple. So problems and projects which trace to those problems. As a member of the registry, you can choose to allocate any amount of your progress to any problem or project. When you allocate your progress towards a problem, you are stating that you want this problem solved, but you don't have any intrinsic motivation or desire to decide which particular solution you think we all should use. You just know what the problem. For example, education. I think we all should be educated more, but I don't think, I don't care whether it's institutionalized or on the internet or homeschooled or whatever. I just know that we all need more education. Absolutely. However, if you just choose to think we need more of this kind of education, or we should all have garbage truck people coming in, or robots to do it, or something like this, then you can allocate your progress towards that particular solution. And it can even get decomposed a little bit more, but that's just details. Let's just keep it simple with the one layer. Yes, okay? yes. And this is, where, this is where the direct democracy comes in. When you allocate those progress towards those projects, the owners of those projects can choose to spend those progress dollars just like they were transient exchanges. And they have to have the response. And uh, this is one of the muddy areas I'm not sure about, which requires some social engineering to try to make sure that they do this right and don't just use it to, to always pay themselves. But they would use that currency to purchase the things that they said that they were going to do. But I'm not prescribing that they, that they tell everybody exactly how they did it. I'm going to leave the social infrastructure and maybe the other kind of currency we're going to talk about to incentivize the appropriate behavior of using progress dollars in this way. So for example, if I had a garbage truck company, but all I did is spend my, my progress on diamonds and gems or a giant jet, whatever you're talking about and wasting the, the money, people should know that I'm, I'm wasting that money. But just like in any market system, people will know, Hey, I'm allocating a bunch of, my progress towards this project and they're not producing. So perhaps maybe I should allocate my progress elsewhere. And that becomes your vote. And now you have to ask yourself, 
how much more do I like education over picking up garbage over, um, I don't know, uh, investing in the cure for cancer or something else like this? What's more important to me? Because you only get so much progress a day and you have to ask yourself what's more important and whether you're, you're motivated to solve the problem in a particular way or another. Okay. I see what you're going, where you're going here. So with direct democracy, you could set the parameters or you could um, create a constitution to decide what has value and what does not have value. So this way it's like a, it's like a compass that kind of sets where the value goes and where the value does not go. So at least we know where if we buy a jet, it has absolutely zero value as uh, where we uh, set up a system to, to, uh, to clean up the oceans where it has very high value. So, okay. I, 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 that, 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 well, that's a fantastic idea, but I'll let you carry on. So now we get into the last kind of currency called reserves. Um, but sorry, before I go there, so problems. So I allocated my currency towards problems. How does that get distributed projects? So all currency, which allocate is allocated towards problems. That money gets periodically distributed at the same cadence as the currency distribution, i.e. whenever the people get their 24 progress or charge or whatever. At that same periodicity, the, the currency allocated towards problems gets evenly distributed towards all of the projects weighted by their popularity. So if a lot of people are dumping their progress towards, I don't know, solar panels versus coal power plants that provide energy, for example, then people who did not have an affinity towards a particular solution, the money would, the, 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 the progress which was allocated towards the problem would get, hold on a second, my son is here. Um, Jaden, your son. Okay. So, um, so the, the, the currency that got allocated towards the problem, would, more of it would get distributed towards that particular solution over others. Let me help you, Jaden. So I'm just getting back from baseball here. Are you still there? Yeah, I'm still here. Yeah, yep. Okay, good. Um, so, yeah. Um, so the, the the more popular solution that people decide we should allocate our efforts on, get more of this progress currency than those which do not. Now, this ties into the, my next kind of currency called reserves. So reserves, Every, like progress, everybody gets the same amount of reserves as everybody else over the same amount of time. Um, hold on a second, Jane, can we wait here for a bit? Yep. Okay, thanks. Um, so everybody gets the same amount of reserves as everybody else over the same amount of time, but you can't use it for anything. All you can do is allocate it to something like projects called surveys. And they are just a name of something like problems to say it allows you to say what we should not do. So I could be a survey owner. For example, uh, I am going to be a chief of police. I don't know. And that's my survey for this district, for example. And I commit to use any reserves given to my district for the purposes of running my police force. And, oh, by the way, there's also a project for it, so 
that I can actually hire the police officers, officers to do their job. So, okay, I allocate my reserves towards survey projects, which in turn trace to problems, like uh, stopping criminal behavior. Um, and with the same sort of, if I don't have a particular, I don't care about this district or that district, I just know that crime is a problem, I can allocate my, my reserves towards the problem of crime, and it in turn gets weighted, distributed to, based on the popularity of all of the other survey projects underneath it. So, um, yeah. So imagine I'm a district, and then what can I use? What what can a survey owner use reserves for? They have the ability to introduce this currency into any transaction in the registry to destroy either transient exchange, progress, or exchange, like a find. And they have to say how they're going to do it. So, for example, as a police district guy, I could say, okay, well, I'm going to make a fine whenever I catch somebody speeding, and I'm going to charge this much of this type of currency whenever you do it. But maybe a competing police officer district person might say, well, I'm going to make it more. And this other guy can say, well, no, 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 I'm going to make it even more. I'm going to actually burn some of your real exchange, like the actual exchange, not the transient exchange or progress. Because remember, if, if you think about it, there's no way in the system to destroy exchange value or charge except for what I just described. And in doing so, if you ever lose that currency, you can never get it back. So that's a big deal, right? So society would have to say, oh, that's a really big deal. Like you're literally giving this person less turns over something than they would normally other have, otherwise not have the ability to. So, so yeah, um, that's what reserves are. They are that thing which is the deterrent and the ability for people to say things that are scarce. For example, if you ever purchase something made of non-disposable plastic, it's, there's going to be some reserves allocated towards that. And the amount of it is a function of how much reserves are allocated by everybody towards that particular survey. Mike, so drop. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> no, go ahead. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm just joking around. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So that's 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 reserves, and that's that's the registry monetary system. That's all of it. That's all of the axioms of the registry. And I can't believe I did it in under an hour and a half. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of practice. Um, uh, yeah. Is uh, the currency uh, yeah. itself like a paper currency, or is it, uh, or is it that's, like a bunch of digital? That's the cool part about it. So you know how we go to the bank today, and you uh, you withdraw your currency. It's it's there forever. Right? You can never, if you lose it, it's gone. And the registry monetary system, you can never lose your money. You you go to the bank teller and you say, I want 20 bucks. Okay, you get, it prints, literally picked, like a, put the QR code on it or something like that, and maybe an expiry date on it. And it, it, it'll take the money out of your account so that it says you can't use it if you were ever to use, say, your phone to buy something because it's on this piece of paper. But you could actually go on your phone and say, oh, I'm going to invalidate this $20 exchange thing that I just took out because I don't need it anymore. I want to spend it on this online transaction. And then you could literally just invalidate. Like if you lose your $20 bill, you could go online and say, oh, crap, I lost my 20 Invalidate it. Because remember, all money is owned by somebody, and nobody else can use that currency because once they try to prevent it to, prevent it to the registrar, they can't prove that they own it because their name's on it. So stealing goes away. Yay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <that's> a... <laughs> well, 
I don't even know why we don't do that now. Like, we can do that with fiat currency. Like, put your hand on the money and you take it out of the bank machine. But anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, like we were talking about cryptocurrencies and stuff like that with uh, Bitcoin. Like, is this coin more uh, familiar or more similar to what we have now, or is it more similar to the type of system that you have? Because I'm not really too. Uh, I, I I don't know. That gets highly technical. I uh, Yes, I have a computer science degree. Uh, I have been studying the idea of the trust issue with Bitcoin, and I find it is a huge waste of a bunch of energy on a bunch of computers all trying to figure out the last couple of zeros that meet this. And we're getting technical here. But yeah, a lot of computers are spending a lot of energy to validate the ledger when this entire thing could be implemented through a web of trust, which is part of a, an implementation detail of the registry, but that that gets into the implementation. Once it gets big enough, we're going to have to implement a, a web of trust, and there exist technologies for that, such as PGP and uh, other things, but that gets highly technical. Oh, sorry, uh, Nick, uh, I'm losing you there, bud. Can you hear me now? Uh, a little better. <laughs> okay. Uh, no, what I was saying when you were talking about the web of trust, uh, are you talking uh, about, like, uh, blockchain, those type of technologies where where things are more secure? Because, uh, um, because everything's done online through a computer, could it be easily hacked? Could, like, let's say, could someone manipulate it where they, they can get more transient value or more exchange yeah so here's the cool thing about the registry is that it is built in such a way that is a it is a validatable every transaction is validatable uh, so so let's say you go to your you, you look at your bank statement right you can reconcile your bank statement and we do that today right we check to make sure yeah nobody took out money out of my account or whatever right that's right similarly uh, you, we're, we should we should be doing the same thing, but the amount of it that we do is a function of our trust level, and you can set up webs of trust to say, well, if I do a bunch of transactions with this guy a bunch of times, I don't need to reconcile it so much. But whenever a transaction goes through that, from a member which is not part of my web of trust, let me know about it. And there's a whole that, that's but that's that's a very technical thing, and it can be solved, and we can talk till we're blue in the face about this. But uh, you don't need to go that far on the first the first cut of it. It has the same problems, and we okay, can do much so, better than we do today. Um, all right. And I, I have some ideas, but I would love to hear other people's ideas about how to solve this web of trust problem. And there are there are people out there who are much smarter than me who could probably help me out with this. And I hope some of them are your listeners. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Um, uh, so talk about the that web before of, Stephanie gets you in trouble. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but that web of trust, that web of trust. Um, now, would that be how this system would work? So you would only have, you would only exchange money with people that you know. You would only automatically exchange. You wouldn't require any uh, less reconciliation, less signature printing, less biometrics, less whatever. Right? Like I've, we've done this all day, right? I trust you. I know. I know you're not screwing with me. I and. But we can also trust in the software. And then here's the other kicker that we can do. Progress and reserves, right? No matter anything you come up with that you could say that people should start to do or should stop doing, we could always make a project to incentivize behavior or use surveys 
to decentivize behavior. For example, you find a bug in this open source software which represents the registry, you get a bunch of progress. If you are caught hacking the registry, boom, like you can't play anymore. You did something very, very bad. So you are now like an outcast of society for a, a significant amount of time and you're going to be like a five-year-old for the rest of your life. You'll never get more than what a five-year-old would get in exchange. So, sorry, you don't get a turn at the at the spa at the only one place that's in the Maldives or something like this. You get right, to right. stick with what you get, you know? Um, yeah, yeah. But you, of yeah. course, they'll still be able to meet their basic needs, though, right? It's a little bit better than a prison. But we caught you, so don't. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. So could you imagine nope. how much abundance you would get, right? So if somebody thinks to themselves, holy crap, even if I try to hack this thing, if I get caught, this is gonna. I got to live in the bush. <laughs> you know, yeah, the, cons- the consequences could be severe. It doesn't have to deal with incarceration, right? It's just you just can't play with us anymore. It's like in the schoolyard, right? You're not playing very yeah, nice. Yeah. You can't play with us anymore. And society is playing this game, and we all want to play by the rules. If you find something that somebody could take advantage of, great. Here's a bunch of progress. We're going to use this progress to give you a bunch of transients, which you can then use to convert to transient exchange, and you get to go to the Valdez more than the next guy. The other people, found that right, right, right. Yeah. Um, now, you were mentioning the positive money. Now, I've uh, I've heard about uh, positive money. Oh, positivemoney.org? Yeah, they, they do some great stuff. Now, can you explain what, what they do that's different from what you from what you guys do? Or... You guys, you think I'm a bunch of guys? It's just me, man. You're the first. You're the first person to actually put time to say, "Hey, let's listen." Um, no, not so really. I, I thank I mean, you a lot I, for, I read, for reaching I out read, to me. Uh, I wish I read more of it because it was it was really fascinating. I just I couldn't ex- I couldn't really uh, uh, get the whole uh, the symbols with the. the yeah, I know. there's a lot of math. So, like I said, it, it's yeah, not meant yeah, for the masses, it, it, right? The videos might help though. Yeah, you know what? I have there are videos. I, I watch. I did watch the one video. I didn't watch the entirety, but uh, I think people would have to watch uh, more videos to get a yep. to get a better handle on it. And I'm, I'm trying to call out the people who have a lot of experience with this sort of stuff to help me make it a little more consumable, because this is the, oh, maybe, oh, maybe this 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 cast will will help. Um, but yeah, this is the idea, and I, I I I'm one guy writing this software now. I'm going to be coming out with the app pretty soon to do the game theory of it, which is basically it's going to be a game that you can put on your phone. But nice. You could just try it out to see if it works. Um, and, yeah. Uh, and if that starts so to work, I, I'm, I'm you, saying... Go ahead. No, sorry. I was just saying, so I, I just you you created this. This, this is... It's just me. Just you? Oh, yeah. that's... Wow, that's, that's, that's amazing. That's really amazing. Um but yeah, I think it's going to but take. It's, it's, uh, it's on the shoulders of many. Like listening to the people, like uh, like I'm sure I heard the problem, but there's Mr. Fuller, Peter Joseph, uh, Jacques Fresco. These are all the guys that are that are my my lights. You know, I'm standing on their shoulders. Absolutely, yeah. Jack, I mean, Jack, Jack Fresco is a legend as far as I'm concerned. Like, he knew about this a long time ago, and, and nobody. However, he, he has a different idea than I do. <laughs> he, he wants no, to he abolish does. the money system, which is fine. Yeah. But I have no idea how we're going to get there. And that was the one thing that was like, how the heck do we get there? Sure, we all just jump ship, but I don't think people well, are going to do that. I, I, but it I, needs keep, to be, I keep, 
increments. But I keep telling these guys here that follow the, the Venus Project and they, and they follow the Zeitgeist Movement, I keep telling them that you can't implement that system now because our dependency on money, on monetary, mm-hmm. I think we have to yeah. – it's, it's a process where we have to wean off of it. But it can't be yeah. today – it's capitalism, and tomorrow it's going to be the resource-based economy. It's not going to work. That, that right. would just right. – not, not without a catastrophe or Absolutely. starting over on a different planet or something like that. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But I keep telling people all the time that there's a link, and that link is direct democracy. So we have to educate yeah, people. And, well, it's about direct democracy. When you say direct democracy, I'm thinking, okay, i got to vote on this thing or vote on that thing, and if I don't, I'm going to get in trouble, and blah, blah, blah. This is – I don't think that's that, – in, even in Greece, it was a problem, right? Because people would have to go to the whatever they called it, the forum or whatever. And well, but that was <laughs> yeah, but that was thousands of years ago, and it wasn't Greece; it was only Athens. Yeah. And they, they, I mean, women weren't allowed, and apparently uh, slaves yeah. weren't allowed to vote. Yeah. So that was a so we have the technical the means to exchange information instantaneously, and we should put right. it into our money system. But you know what? Because of the see, direct democracy would not be possible without technology. So now that we have the technology in place, it's very, very possible. But keep in mind, the Swiss cantons, which are provinces, have been doing it for a thousand, I think over a thousand years. And the nation itself has only been doing it for 200 years. So So what am I looking at? Canton? uh, I want to Google that canton? Sure, yeah. yeah. So the, the, the Swiss cantons, which are provinces. Okay. So for people that don't know what a canton is, so they've had it for uh, about a thousand years. Oh, that's a problem. They've had direct democracy. Okay. Okay. They have, yeah, they've had direct democracy for a thousand years. Um, so I got a lot of reading. To, <laughs> no, absolutely. And if you uh, you'll find it, you, I mean, you'll find direct democracy very fascinating. I don't know if you know uh, much about it. Maybe you know a, a bit about it, but it's uh, basically uh, it's the country, not the politicians or the political parties that decide. It's the people that decide on the major issues. You know, the small right. little stuff, the frivolous stuff that can be facilitated by representatives. And, uh, uh, I mean, what we advocate for is the abolishment of political parties altogether. So we don't want yeah. any leaders. We'll have a representative for each uh, constituent, uh, for each area of, of the province, and they represent um, the people. And then if people... Mm-hmm want to make laws or amendments to the Constitution, then that would have to be through a referendum. So with that said, I keep telling these, these people from the, the, the Venus Project and the Zeitgeist Movement that you need a link between capitalism yeah. and the resource-based economy. Not to say that your yeah. idea is not good. Your idea is fantastic. I, I actually, I, lo- I love that idea because the, the system that we have now, this fiat system, it only favors a few and it leaves yeah. pretty much everybody else out in, in the dark, right? And it's, and it's yep. only going to get worse, unfortunately. So that's what I, I advocate for. And I think your system under a direct democracy could work because now it's not going to be based on scarcity. Um, and it's, it's not going to be based on uh, making useless things. It's going to be uh, how we can take care of the environment and the planet and ourselves. So um, I, I see so your system are, playing are a huge democracy, role. Um, sorry, Nick. For those, no, if anybody's actually listening to this, they're listening to this because they want to hear more about direct democracy. I hope they realize, read up, uh, watch episode six on the registry to show how it provides proportional representation. Remember how I was talking about problems? You can just put your progress 
towards problems when you don't have an affinity, but when you do have an affinity towards a particular, say, a party or a person's idea of solving the problem, you then allocate it towards the project. So that's what I mean by proportional representation. When you don't really know or, you know, I, I trust like everybody else is voting for this guy and that's going to be good enough, then just put it towards the, 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 the project that represents, we're going to solve this problem in a big way and a bunch of different problems. But a particular solution that you like, you vote for that particular project and you allocate your progress towards there. Yeah, you see, so that's, that's why I like this. I like your idea. I love your idea because it's actually awarding um, good deeds, uh, progress. You know, it's yeah. not uh, yeah. like you know, fiat in, in this current system. You award those that are corrupt. <laughs> yeah. You don't go to jail, yes. right? And so, yes. So, and then, but with so, your system, so, again, it's the reserves can yeah, reserves can help with that uh, that sort of aberrant behavior as well. Yeah. Right. So this was exciting. Thanks. Thanks, Nick. Yeah, no, absolutely. So talk about, the, know, union. Talk about I, the union. Absolutely. I was no, I was happy to have you on here. I mean, short notice, uh, five minutes. I came across your book yesterday, right? And, you know, I'm sorry I didn't have enough time to read it, but I will. I definitely will because this is really fascinating. But, um, yeah, so the International Direct Democracy Union, it is a um, – we're trying to get a website going. We do have a domain name, but we just need the funds right now to to support it, to get it up and running. So if anybody listening now, if they're interested, please go to the International Direct Democracy Union uh, on Facebook. There's a link there. Uh, just click on the link and donate as, as much as you can. Um, every dollar counts. Um, we want to bring more awareness to direct democracy. We don't have a, a website in place, um, and that's what we're trying to do now. Um, we do have uh, um, We do have a lot of people from all over the world. We have political parties from Ireland, from Romania, from Bulgaria. Uh, we have one in Greece. Uh, and not only we have uh, other people that are advocating it, not necessarily in parties from Brazil, uh, I mean, all over. I, I, I can't remember all of them. I, I believe we have uh, another fellow from Italy. So the news of it is is um, it's getting big and big and bigger, but we need to get the message out uh, a little bit better and not through chat rooms. We need something that people can go to and, and read. So that's what we're trying to do. So if anybody out there listening, please go to International Direct Democracy Union on Facebook. Uh, check it out. Donate. And, uh, and that's pretty much about it. And allocate your progress towards it. Absolutely. Now, <laughs> Patrick, do you want to, do you want to, I mean, do you want to end this now or do you have anything else to say that you want to mention? No, I'm, I'm good to go, Nick. That was a uh, that was a lot of fun. Well, you know, I was that. I'm I'm happy you came on a short notice. We got to do this again. Um, and um, I don't know where Stephanie is, but we're gonna we're gonna have to <laughs> hey, cut the Ray show too. short. Ray? 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 Yeah. Well, yeah, Ray was supposed to come on, but I don't I don't know how to. Well, maybe he's trying to call in now, but uh, fortunately, uh, Stephanie's got the control. You don't have so. the button. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have the button. No, she's got the button. <laughs> She's but anyhow, we can actually was, turn this off. So we're just gonna we're just gonna keep talking. And no <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. If you want to, I mean, like I said, if you want to talk about something else, or if you want to keep talking about your uh, your project, your, your, I mean, uh, feel free. Uh, no, I think I should probably head back. Hey, Jaden, what do you think, buddy? <laughs> I hate everybody on the internet. Yeah? Okay. <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, anyway, Patrick, it was nice talking to you. We'll talk again sometime in the future. Okay. Yeah. I'll catch you later. Take care.
Okay, so uh, uh, anyhow, I'm, I'm going to end this show. Um, you're going to hear a lot of air, but it uh, was uh, nice chatting with um, with Mr. Patrick from the registry. If you get a chance, check him out on, on Facebook, uh, Patrick Arquette, but I think his project is called The Registry. Uh, just research that actually going. If you want, you can go to Direct Democracy for Canadians. I have the, 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 the link posted up there, and you can click on it. It's very fascinating. I got to give it more time. Um, I haven't given it enough time, but I think um, that this type of monetary system can have a major, a positive major impact on say, today's society. So, with that said, um, until next time, good night. Bye.